All right. So, hello. Thank you for coming. Um, my name is Carl DePrat. I'm with A to Z Business IT. And um, I my um, colleague here is Chris Gross from, um, what is your official title, Chris? Yeah, my title is Manager of Security Consulting Services, uh, and I'm at Breach Secure now. Um, it's a little little bit of a mixed position. So I started off my career in operations with Breach Secure Now about three and a half years ago, kind of doing more of the uh, security side of the business, focusing on delivering risk assessments. In the past year, I've been really working on building out our tools and helping our partners to show risk to their clients and show what the actual threat landscape is out there um, in the industry. So that's really been my focus and kind of what I do now as a manager of security consulting. Well, I'm so glad to have you here as a resource today. I mean, what we're going to be talking really about is for business owners, the big risk for them is always the worry that I see when I'm talking to them is not just their own behaviors, but the behaviors of their employees. When you, when you have employees, you, your risk as an, a business owner it expands exponentially just by the behaviors mm -hmm. and their, on their own actions. And so we wanted to really talk about how to take the risk that is normally associated with employees that are untrained on how to be hit, you know, and how to deal with the threat landscape that's out there and turn them into your company's biggest assets, your first line of defense. And, you know, so that was what we we're going to, that's what we we're going to talk about today. And so um, I was looking for, you know, a good way of um, discussing this, but, um, you know, you know, ransomware. Let's talk about that. I mean, you know, the first thing that people say, well, is that only going to occur on work devices? Yeah. Yep. Or in the work environment? Yep. It's, it's evolving, right? Like, at least how we see ransomware from five years ago to today it is an evolving threat. Now, this is not something that's just going to happen on, you know, one device in your organization. Maybe you have somebody that goes to um, a website malicious website site downloads a virus, that virus could be ransomware, right? Um, or it could be that they're clicking on an email, but this could be on any device. And the thing is, is that a lot of times this ransomware moves laterally. So if you have network devices, if you're in your office and say one person's computer gets it, it's possible that that's going to move to their neighbor's computer, your entire net network, possibly, you know, Say the healthcare environment, your EMR, or any kind of network servers that you have, that it's could be your, you know, your SASs as well, yep. your your email services, your yep. um, all your Salesforce, and all those different type of applications. And it doesn't even have to come from your um, desktop; it can come from your phone. You know, clicking sure. on a wrong link on an email can proceed to to, to trigger the whole event that can, that can proceed to. Um, it can proceed to create this um, compromise that people that you know the bad guys can exploit. Um, it was it's funny. I was just thinking, um, you know, I, I was having a I just had a moment there. I was thinking that you know, with the um, in in the world of ransomware, that um, it is the last thing that a business owner will see in the middle of a breach. Um, I was talking. I just had to remind myself. I was talking to a client, you know about the fact that if you get the ransomware, it probably means that they have been in your system for quite a while, exploiting sure. all the other resources that can be done inside of your system. They're, they're really harvesting 
the harvesting your business data. They're learning the, it used to be they just put ransomware out, but now what they're looking at is the quality of the data, all of the different junction, all the different locations that they can proceed to exploit the data outside of your, outside of your touch point. And by doing that, you know, they, what they're, what they might sell to the dark web, you know, yep. to other, other services. And when they finally have figured that they've gotten as much as they can, that's when they say, Hey, we're going to do ransomware because when you get, because when you, because at that point, then the client is being notified that yep. they have, that they're being breached. But before yep. that, they're like, you know, it's that silent partner you had that just had access to your, to your business, was able to go in and out and take what they wanted. Now they're basically, you know, what was I going to say, I, you know, what was that movie? Um, Joe Pesci and um, Robert De Niro, Wise Guys, um, I, Goodfellas, in which yeah, yeah. They, they bought the restaurant. And, you know, they became a partner and they took everything out of the wine, the liquor. And then the last thing they did was they burnt it to the ground. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of what goes on when you hit the, the, the ransomware. At that point, they, that's where you are. They basically yeah. created a fire sale. It, it's funny that you bring it, bring that up of where, where it starts and the initial access of it. I was just talking to a colleague about this the other day. day and what that's initially called, called an um, identity access broker. So a lot of the times the first entry into your network is from maybe it's a password that gets exposed in the dark web. They test that password out on one of your compute computers, on one of your systems, right? It's probably going to be one of the cloud systems, right? So it could be your email, it could be, be your EMR, it could be your CRM, whatever that is, but they're testing out the email and password that they found online, they're testing it out on that system and they're seeing if they can get in. Once they get access though, they're going to keep that access for a long time and they could be taking data for, from that system. They could as well be ta taking, you know, information about what other devices is connected to that or what other systems they can get access to. To. And the whole goal is in the end, they're going to actually sell that. They're going to yeah. sell the actual access to somebody else who will eventually launch the ransomware. So it's almost like crime family, right? It actually is. You have the identity access broker getting the initial access. They're not the ones launching the ransomware. They're the ones yeah. selling that access to somebody else to do whatever they want with it, whether that's stealing data or launching ransomware. So it really is a whole network of people working against you know, unfortunately, um, working against companies that are, you know, just doing their work. So doing the work and they're trying to get by, and they're trying to budget out. They're, you know, they're looking at this, and it's like yeah. every business. They're they're counting all their pennies. They're trying. They, you know, you, we want to maximize our profits so we can grow and we can and we can proceed to um, um, have a strong, stable business. But at the same time, these guys, you know, this whole situation, this threat landscape really threatens that whole environment that you that people are spending their entire lives building. Yeah. And, you know, and especially if they're in, in industries that have sensitive documentation, whether that's PII and, you know, or HIPAA or, you know, intellectual data, they may never come to ransomware. They may, you just, your, your business may be such a cash cow of data for these guys that they can, you know, they can continue to resell it over and over again. And that's why they say that even fortune 500s, the average um, time before they realize that there's been a breach mm -hmm. is, is at least six months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Once they get that access, 
that's they're not going to reveal that they have the access not immediately they're going to see how far does this extend how much else can i can i get before i you know do the final payload which usually is going to be ransomware um and they want to make sure that's going to be a valuable ransom target right they want to make sure that they're getting as much as they can. So. Well, the Conti Group. I don't know if you heard this story. The Conti Group, which is a which is a spyware ring out of Russia. Mm-hmm. They have an HR department. They just got a leak. This <laughs> came out a month ago. They got an HR department. They've got bonuses for their employees. They've got employee of the month converse, con- contests. They have recruiting contests because when they're in the middle of these ransomwares, um, they their biggest payout is the negotiator. And so if the negotiator, you know, it's one thing to have a ransomware attack, but it's second thing is to get paid on that. So when they get paid, the actual negotiator gets what they found is about one to 2% of the ransom. They get paid directly if they're working for this particular organization and they get signing bonuses if they hire another, you know, so it's, sure. it's like any other business. And a lot of these people don't even know because it's so large that they're even in organized crime. Sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a lucrative business, right? It's a lucrative business on, on that end. What we're catching up to, though, for small to medium-sized businesses, a lot of times they're the targets of these attacks. They're actually targeted more than large businesses because a lot of times they don't have the type of security to protect themselves. And you can do a lot of small ones without getting caught. So they're the targets, but they don't have the same backing in terms of all of these um, industries behind them in a lot of situations to protect them from these kinds of threats. While the bad guys, they have, you know, they have HR departments and bonuses. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. But, you know, one of the things people, you know, even in a small organization, they'll look and they'll say, okay, well, I've got antivirus on my computers. Isn't that enough to fundamentally keep my my business safe? Yeah. It's it's never enough to just have antivirus anymore. Maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago was enough. And that was mostly what we did. But. You, what you really need to protect yourself is a layered security approach. And it's not just the technology and the hardware that protects yourself, but it's also policies and procedures in your organization, making sure that you have good processes and double check, checks that you are protecting your organization, your clients, your customers, and your employees. Um, and then you also, you know, what we did, you, know, you also want to make sure you're educating people on what these threats are security awareness training, testing them and making sure you're looking at at what kind of scams are out there in the world and educating what's good security hygiene. Because a lot of times it seems like small things, seems like you can identify a scam pretty easily, but they're getting more and more sophisticated with scams and something you really want to be um, up on on what's what's the newest thing out there. Well, absolutely. You know, it's funny in my, you know, because I come from the IT world and the idea of like putting a tool and tools are great. You know, we, we use a lot of tools in my business, but tools by themselves without proper, without being in a proper framework and having everybody being on the same place as the, um, on the same page. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't mean that your end user needs to be a cybersecurity expert, but they need to be aware of what, what the good operations are versus bad operations are concerned. And so without that, all the tools, unfortunately, will fail. It's like yeah. having a garage and you don't have trained mechanics. You yeah. know, you bring in that, you bring the car in for service and 
they don't know how to use those tools correctly, yep. then it's going to, it's going to fail or they use the incorrect tools or they use, you know, they go to the dollar store and they pick up a, you know, they pick up a wrench set and they yep. wonder why they yep. can't rebuild an engine or they can't pull out, you know, they can't pull out a transmission. Yep. So it all, you know, it is an investment, but the, but the payback is the protection that you're going to have and the ability to sleep at night, you know, yeah. you're knowing that, you know, that people are doing the right things. It's like having a train, having a security guard and not having them trained to know what a bad guy is. Yeah. Well, how I always look at it, I look at it like a house, right? You have all yeah. the technology, which are like locks on your front door door and you can have the best security and you can have cameras on that front door. But if you have somebody that's leaving the window open in the kitchen, right? Yeah. Windows wide open, somebody's going to get through that window. And a lot of times the windows, unfortunately, are, you know, staff, employees just falling for sc- scams and falling for some of the tricks that are out there. So keeping that window closed and locked is really important. Or even if you have to open that window at times, you know that, okay, I don't leave it open all the time. There may be a reason you need to have an opening sure. at one yep. point. A perfect, ideally a perfectly secured system. You know, it's really tricky to work inside of such, a, yeah. such an environment. But, you know, so that's where sometimes people make allowances to get productivity done. But without having the staff trained on when, you know, to know that, okay, we're in an environment where I need to be extra careful. It's just like you're in an operating room and you open up a patient. Well, you want to make sure everybody's sterilized and you want to make sure that, you know, everybody's following the same procedure. So yeah, you can have that, that window open on a hot day to get some air in. You want to make sure it's closed when nobody's there and nobody can, can monitor that accordingly. In some places, yeah, keep that window and knowing that that window being open is something that needs consideration. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, You know, what was I going to say? One of the big things that we also have is like, you know, when staff, you know, I, I always say now it's not a matter of if it's when you're going to get an incident, when you're going to get breached and now, you know, or when you're becoming aware. And so one of the things that, you know, and we talk about this going back to policies and training is like, what does a staff do when they've just realized that either they've made a mistake, they got scammed, they got, they gave somebody's credentials. They realized, Oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to click on that yeah. or, you know, and what they would, do, you know, how they could, how they should handle that accordingly. You know, the old thing of like, if I, if I just put my head down, nobody will notice it. Well, you know, it's, it can cause a bigger problem. Yep. You want to have a plan, you know, and that's all levels of the business. And whether that's it, if you're the employee that made a mistake, you should be the one that's set telling your manager. That's the first step. step. As always, it's better to respond as fast as possible. So definitely you want to tell your manager, but from a, a leadership perspective and for, from what are we going to do next as an organization, you want to have a plan on what the next steps are for the organization to respond to this incident. Um, a lot of the times it, you might need outside resources. So you might need third-party resources to help determine, um, you know, what was the impact? How far did this go, go in your organization for if you're a healthcare organization, if you're finance and you have some compliance issues, you want to be able to have forensics and be able to look at, at how far did this go in my organization to see what was compromised, right? You want to be able to have um, a 
potentially a breach coach and somebody who's going to be able to help negotiate with these cyber criminals, which is a thing, you know, and most people don't know this, but you can actually negotiate the ransom down a little, little bit um, or figure out, am I going to actually pay this ransom or not? You want professionals to help you out in that situation. Yeah. Now you need all, this is part of even having good cyber insurance in place. Uh, It absolutely is. And most cyber insurance providers actually have those professional resources on hand for you. So if you have a breach, you can contact your cyber insurance provider and they have those professional resources, a breach coach, privacy legal help from the compliance aspect, um, incident response, forensics, all of that, that they'll have on hand. So a great resource beyond just the financial, you know, protection that cyber insurance would give you. Yeah. I mean, and at the end of the day, you also, you know, insurance is great, but you also want to have you doing your due diligence. You know, it's like having insurance and then going to the bar and having three drinks. Well, yeah. Will they cover the accident? Yeah. But your rates are going to change and your, what gets covered and what doesn't, you know, they may at one point, you know, we're seeing this more where the agents will actually, sign off on something to get to sell the policy. And unfortunately, because they, the, the business owner didn't know what to do with the other, and even the IT provider didn't know what they were signing into. You know, at the end, when they come for a claim and the average claim is, it's crazy. It's almost a million dollars now is what, yeah. they're, is what, is what they're looking at. You know, at that point, that's when the, the insurance company is looking at, do I have to make this claim? Do I have to pay this? Did they do everything? Because when they pay out a million dollars, they want to make sure that they've cut that they, the you know that the insured has done everything they could do, or yeah. they should have done appropriately, you know, in there. But together, when they work correctly, when you have them, it becomes a good match. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to talk. You know, one of the biggest ways that people say, "Well, how do you get breached?" And you know, it's in email, and um, you know, in phishing or spoofing and stuff like that. Or and you know, is testing good? You know, what's your feelings about making sure that, you, you know, the staff is aware and the end users know? Yeah, I, and I put it in as plain language with the clients that I work, work with as possible. These are scams, right? It's tricking people in some way, shape or for, form. And phishing is just a way of saying it's a scam in an email, trying to get you to either give some information, trying to get, get you to um, reveal something about yourself, trying to get you to click on a link and down, yeah. or download an attachment a scam right it's it's, you're tricking them so you want as much as possible to educate your staff on what those scams are test them and see you know do you have any weaknesses in that regard um it's just like testing your systems and seeing can i restore my systems can i uh, do a penetration or vulnerability scan is there any holes in my system the same thing when it comes to testing your staff as well yes You know, it's it, it's not just email anymore. Now it's text messages. We call it smishing, and you know, or on um, social media, they're doing the same thing because you can message in, in there, and at the same, t- you know, so it's always trying to figure out the validity of who's sending you that message. Yeah, it's and it's phone scams too, right? Phone yeah. scams never went away. Went away. No. They just got better. You know, they're not asking you if your refrigerator is running anymore, right? They're asking. <laughs> they they very sophisticated scams of they know information about you and they're going to use that information to try to get you to do something. It's not just a random caller. It's somebody that knows who you are and who they're calling, which is a. Well, it's a big thing. Well, this is why your data and your PII information is so critical 
because if they get your email services, there have been documented stories of of them once they're in your email systems and they start to know what your relationships are, or in the you know they proceed to say, okay, well you know this goes back about ten years ago. I had a you know I was called in on a guy who was a chiropractor who had um who um, was using Yahoo email, just straight mm-hmm. you know doctor blank at Yahoo, and they broke into his account. They sat there forever looking at his email. I don't know how long they sat there, you know, honestly, because, you know, it's a, it's a free account and, you know, there's not a lot of auditing that's going on in Yahoo. But what they figured out was he was part of a charity. He was raising money for this, you know, Doctors Without Borders type of thing. And so what they did was one morning, they locked him out of his own account. They sent an email saying that because they knew he traveled and they said, hey, I'm in the Philippines and I've lost my wallet. And I don't have anything. Can somebody, can you please wire me here? And then you're like, well, well, the emails would have had to come back to Yahoo, but no, the reply email was going to another source. Yep. And, you know, it took about a day to get everything cleared, to, to find those emails, to contact. We contacted the people that were there on that list. We warned them that they, you know, there were people who actually gave money, you know, because they, they knew this guy and this was a relationship. I've heard of other stories, but the same type of method- methodology where they'll say, oh, your kid is kidnapped. Really frightening stuff. And if you don't pay us or you're, they're arrested. And yep. if you don't give us money right now, we're, you know, and it's always with a time limit. One of the things we could just say about a scam is it always has a time limit or it always mm-hmm. has some unique hoops that you have to jump through to, yep. in order to execute this. And, yep. you know, and these are, this is, this is real money. This is, this is people's lives. And in the middle of it, they're stressing out. You know, if somebody pretends to be from one of these, you know, these guys don't have, these guys are not, just because they're working in computers doesn't mean that these guys are not really, or gals are are not really nefarious and really bloodthirsty. It, you yeah. know, they would, yep. you know. It, it's urgency, right? And it's because they know that urgency, any kind of urgency is going to trigger an emotional response in you to maybe not think as clearly as you would normally do if you're just doing your day-to-day processes. Um, Very similar story to the first one you told. I worked with a client. It was another doctor, um, you know, owned his own practice, did most of the administration in his practice. He got an email from a vendor. The vendor email, and he kind of knew what some of the scams were, right? The vendor's email address, address he checked it it's the same one he got emails from in the past same exact vendor email address and the vendor said hey you're late on your bill from this mo- month you're gonna lose your 25 percent discount or whatever what was you're gonna lose that discount unless you pay us today and he's emailing back and he said said oh yeah i'll pay today pay today and they sent him the uh, what is it wire transfer number they sent him the number and he sent the money he did it two times. It was like $100,000. Um, and that, what they did was it was actually the vendor that was compromised. So yeah. the vendor's email got compromised and the person was sending from the actual vendor's email address and the reply address, like you had, you said with the, your incident, right? The reply address was going somewhere else. Yeah. So it's something that it's very advanced because he did all the right things, right? He looked at the email address. Address. He responded back, back. He got another e- email from them, and it just looked so convincing that when he got another 
uh, wire transfer number, he just sent it right away. But yeah. some policies and procedures in place would have helped him if you had a policy that said, hey, we're not going to send anything via wire transfer without making two, two checks, right? Without make, making maybe a phone call, call as well to a new wire transfer number. So, What's scary about a wire transfer, from what I've understood, and I'm not, a, I'm not, a le- I'm not offering legal advice, but from what I've talked to and I, I do, from people, is once that's transferred, you don't have, it's not insured. Yeah. And so you're losing, you're, you know, there's no, there's no safety net for the person who's made that, tr- that transfer because the banks in general are going through a great deal of um, hoops to make sure that they're not, that they're not on the hook for that transfer. Yeah. And so, you know, again, consult your attorney, but obviously the risk is really high when you, when you do a wire transfer as opposed to a credit card where you might yep. get, where you might get, you know, the money back or something along those lines. Yep. And it's one of the questions asked too, Carl, when you're getting your cyber insurance, does it protect you from those type of th- things? Because, right, that's a, uh, a sublimit that's in some of these policies, but you want to see how much that sublimit is. You could have a million dollar policy, but when it comes to, you know, some kind of coverage against an incident similar to that, it could be a lower sublimit. So you want to be looking at all of these things when you're getting cyber insurance and making sure you're getting a good policy to really cover you in those areas. So. Yeah, and, Paul, and like you said, having good procedures in place is absolutely critical too, because yeah. just knowing who can sign off on what and when, and how it's done, especially in, especially when you have vendors, because you can have a vendor that you might be needing for a service, who, you know, feels like they don't need the cybersecurity, and if you're in an unregulated business, you're still exposed. So you're gonna go, all right, well, I'm in financial, you know, or. And, you know, or you're HIPAA and you're saying, okay, well, I got my cleaning crew there. They have to sign a HIPAA, you know, BCA, BAA agreement. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't mean that their email cannot be compromised or something along the, along those lines. But, you know, and again, the more information that they get, the more susceptible you are to being breached, which is also, I guess, what we start to talk about dark web, you know, dark web and what information is out there and how you can find if your yep. stuff is on the dark web. Yep. Uh- you know, we were talking about how these uh, scams are getting more sophisticated and they know things about you. And that's how it's becoming more sophisticated. They can get it off social media, some information about you. But one of the biggest areas that cyber criminals will use to get information about you and kind of build this scam against you is the dark web. So you're, how the dark web works, right, is a lot of times, you know, you'll go and register for some kind of website, say it was LinkedIn, right? You went and registered for LinkedIn. You put in your email and password, your name, some information about you. And then information was collected just via you using LinkedIn. Maybe it's connections you ha- had, maybe it's people you know. Well, LinkedIn is just the example, but you do this for thousands of websites, right? If those websites are compromised, like LinkedIn was back in 2016, when that happens, that information is then stolen. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's your email, your password, your name, your name, connections that you had, your position in the organization. It's stolen. Somebody uses that data either for themselves or they go onto the dark web and that's where you can sell that data. Selling that da- data, you know, maybe they're sell- selling all of it, the email, password, but they sell it to cyber criminals. Cyber criminal will buy, buy it and cheap, you know, hundreds of thousands of emails and passwords words and some other data around 
around who that individual is can be sell, sold for you know, hundreds of dollars, right? You yeah. buy this and then you pick out, hey, Carl DePrado, let's look at what Carl's position is, what his email address is, what his role in the organization is, and let's formulate an email or a call that targets you specifically. So it's not just the email and password that's a risk. They can test those email and passwords on different systems that you use. Um, hopefully you use different passwords, but what the big risk I is- I recommend the password manager, yep. which is because yep. what they're doing is what you call credential stuffing, yep. where they take those, where they take the known credit, where they can take those known credentials and proceed to go to cross sites. Yeah. So if you're, if you're using a password and you're, you're trying to do it in your own head, um, you, you know, you're already, it's, it's game over already because, yeah. you know, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, you tend to use this, this many letters in your head or that, you know, or this many numbers and there's just too many sites. So you need to have on every site, a unique password. You, need, if you want to yeah. lock it down and you also need to have a way of controlling those to know if they're in, and on top of that, you need to monitor it. But I was, but it, yeah, you were saying, and I, yeah. Oh, no, that you're completely right. Like that, you, you can't remember all those passwords, but you need unique passwords on all the sites and you need two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication as much as possible um, because that's what they'll do. They'll steal your LinkedIn email and password and they'll steal it from a thousand other sites. And they'll test it on uh, your Office 365 login. They'll test it on, on you know all of your, your CRMs and your um, EMRs, whatever it is. They're going to test to see yeah. if that, same email and password that you use for LinkedIn or whatever website it was is going to work on one of those. And that's what's really going to get you. Um, hopefully though, right? They're using a password manager. Hopefully they're using multi-factor authentication and that'll protect to some extent. It does a lot of good. That's If you were going to get anything out of our huge. conversation today, I would say those two things will, outside With of training, Without it, it's the easiest way to get to you. If you don't have those two th things, it's very easy to go and use that password again on any system that you use. It's very easy to do that. Um, beyond that, though, this is the, the piece of the, the scam aspect of it. Beyond that, you definitely want to make sure, sure you're aware of what other information was exposed in that data breach. Things like, you know, your role in the organization, things like connections that you have, people that you know, that's going to be used against you in sophisticated attacks. Yeah. Going to be used against you in phishing. And so uh, there's nothing you can do to change that information, right? You can't change your role in the organization, your na name. So you want to be educating yourself on what these scams look like and be able yeah. to identify them. I mean, and there's certain things that like, you know, you, you were talking about things you can't change. Yeah. Like your social, the other things you can't change are your social security number. Yep. Usually your driver's not license number. As a matter sure. of fact, you know, I use T-Mobile and they had a humongous breach. And when I say yep. humongous, I think it was like a couple hundred million or something. The numbers yeah. are staggering. And so, you know, this is another tip for you. If you, if you, if you feel like you've been in a breach like that, you should, you should go to all the credit reporting agencies and freeze your credit reports. So you can put a freeze on them and it doesn't mean you can't use your credit, but nobody can run your credit while those freezes are there. And then if you had, and then if you had to go ahead and um, you need to, you know, open up a new card, a new line of credit or something like that, you're buying a car, you can open up that credit report. You can open up that freeze for a, 
you know, a week or whatever you need a certain time period, because all the credit and monitoring in the world, you're still not going, you know, your numbers are never going to change. And the sad thing is once you're in that, um, once you're, once they've got those, that information, it's sort of like a fine wine, the longer they have it, the more valuable it is. It age, yeah. it actually gets better with age, yeah. you know, but you know, one of the things I guess, multifactoring, you know, it's, it's such a great tool. And yeah, what was it? The um, pipeline incident. The, um, I just forgot the name of it, but that yeah. was because that was because uh, a third party vendor didn't have two factor authentication yep. on their site. And that was how they basically changed the, it changed the price of oil. You know, you talk about how a little something like an MFA could have dramatically changed that multi-factor. Yeah. And that really is just having either an app or for those that don't know it, and if the multi-factor authentication means that you, instead of just your password, you, it would then proceed to request you to have an, you know, either a app, an app would open up on your phone and you put a code in, or you'd get a text message with a code. Um, but I mean, my experience is if you don't have somebody who's managing MFA, the big fear and the reason I think, and maybe you have some different feeling is what, because it's so good when you put it together that a lot of people are afraid of getting locked out of accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely needed, right? It's the second step. Most of the time it's very easy, but all it is is your email, your email and password. It doesn't change at least with multi-factor authentication. It's something that's constantly changing, something that it's going to be easy for you to access, but very, very difficult for somebody else to access that secondary code that's on your phone or your laptop, whatever that. Is. So while it's an added step, it's a ton of extra security that takes you, you know, maybe a half a second longer, longer, Carl, you know, with new, yeah. with some of these new systems. So I, I, when I do my two-factor authentication, I press a button on my phone that says accept and you're into the system. It's, Done. it is well worth it to, uh, to have it enabled on everything you use. So, you know, and I have clients that are in their eighties now, you know, they still own businesses and we put it on there and, you know, once they understand it protects them, it cuts down all those, it cuts some of those emergencies, having them trained correctly to understand, to see where a scam is and to understand that. But the other part of it is even if they, you know, if the password gets compromised, they know that nobody can lock in and that gives them the time to go ahead and change those things. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, um, but one of the nice things is we have services that can check and monitor to see when those credentials go on the dark web and then we can proceed to, you know, and I love it because my, you know, I just had a client about a month and a half ago, got a notification from your company that we, um, you know, that they're, that they're, um, that they, that one of their sites that was nothing that they did. I think it was, you know, had been breached and they wanted, you know, they said, what do you do? He said, well, just change that password. <laughs> you, yeah. you said, okay. And he said, I don't even use the service anymore. More. And we knew that he was in a password manager and that the, what, you know, we was using MFA on all, all of the accounts accordingly. Yeah. yeah. And the issue is, is that a lot of times you see something like that on the dark web, web and you're not using a password manager. Maybe you have that password, another system, system that you're also using. So you got to change the password across all systems if you're not using the password manager in that case. Um, uh, you know, just to go back to what I was saying before as well, right? The Dark web data breaches, it is as easy as when you see it, make sure you go change your password and that's going to alleviate most of the immediate risk to you. But one of the things that you need to also be aware of is when you see one of your employees, maybe their information's on the dark web, 
you need to also realize that that employee's at a bigger risk than any other employee in your business for a sophisticated scam against them because there's information about them now on the dark web web that people are selling that they're trading back and forth so more phishing emails can go to that that more sophisticated phishing emails can go to them or any other type of scam that's out there well i think one of the things we wanted to offer today to to the people who are visiting and the people who are watching this video um because you know you're talking about not just yourself doing you know the thing is we're all in this together it's not just you doing your job because it can be the guy next to you that's and, and we're not saying they're doing it nefariously. They either didn't no. weren't aware, they just weren't. But it's a team effort. And, you know, the team rises and falls by, by the individuals. And so what we wanted to do is we're going to offer, you know, to you guys is, is a link to a free assessment test. Um, you know, if you, I'm going to put some contact information here in the, into, the, um, into the bottom of the page. But, you know, if you're not sure that you're protected, you know, first of all, feel free to give me, a, you know, to schedule an appointment. We can go through and we can, we can evaluate where you are, and what the risks are to your business. Um, but on top of that, before you even do that, you know, if you want to see, well, which ones of your employees are the most likely to click on the wrong things, we're happy to send you to, you know, free, um, a free quiz for you to give to your employees to baseline them, you know, to see what the, what's going on. And I'm also happy to give you guys a free dark web scan to see what passwords are currently out there. Now, this isn't a constant scam, but this will be a free scam for you to see, okay, well, these are at least the passwords that we have out here that are on there. So, I mean, you know, it's a spot for you guys to start and focusing your, your you know, as I'm talking to the people out here, just to focus their efforts on, say, okay, what are the first steps I can do, you know, on, you know, to take, you know, take action, which is, which is always the hardest part. It's just to, is to get out there and take action. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the first thing is knowing what kind of exposures in, in your organization. So go figure that out. out. It's a great tool that you're offering there, Carl. Okay. Well, you know, Chris, I, I appreciate the time you spent with us today. Um, and it's been a great talk. I, I think we could go for quite a while longer on this because yeah. unfor unfortunately there's so many different ways you know, it's, it's so much that it's a pretty broad topic that we're talking about here. But, you know, I hope everybody gets from this is, you know, again, training and which is not that hard to get done. I mean, when we do it, when we do an average, you know, we do online trainings and they're about, what, 45 minutes mm -hmm. to get somebody up to speed. We're not talking about a great, we're not talking about they have to go back to school and it's self-paced. And then, you know, what we do is refreshers, you know, where we're sending something so that they're top of mind and some and some training that maybe takes five to 10 minutes a week yep. tops. And yep. that's really on the extreme side because once they get the idea that they go, through, it's just really to keep, it's just to reinforce a habit, you know, until it becomes just a behavior. So, you know, I'm grateful for you guys. We, we guys have done a breach secure now. And, um, you know, and I, again, I thank you for your time today. Yeah, Carl. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you everybody else. And uh, definitely we should do this again sometime. So. Absolutely. All right, thank you. Great, thanks.